Always by Aaron and Bob with folks who are going to be the madness. Reason and the unreasonable makes sense and nonsense because this is okay. Hear me out. Aaron and Bob, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> I'm doing great. Fantastic, even. How are you, Ken's, doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, are you guys Knuff? <laughs> <laughs> Never be Knuff. Uh, that okay you hurt my throat. I don't know why. <laughs> You don't know why? Well, I, get... well, I don't know. The uh, fact that you scream it at the top of your lungs, hundred and I have. How is your throat not hurt yet? <laughs> I think we got too old for this whole this whole intro thing. We need to bring in a a voice double. One of those you're, some young buck. Yeah, you're gonna be like uh, like the Rolling Stones on tour, where they just come out there and like they they can't sing the notes anymore, so they're just like <laughs> it becomes spoken word rock. If anyone has any suggestions on to why this this read-in has heard Josh's throat, then you can call us at 1-833-666-911. Again, that is 1-833-666-0911. Oh, I thought you were going to ask people to suggest like nice throat-soothing herbal teas or something. Not just like a, a double-down fuck me. <laughs> uh, I believe we actually have a caller that uh, does su- suggest something like that. We'll play a voicemail oh, here, like we typically do at the beginning of the show. With yeah, uh, we always do voicemails at the beginning. Cashew Honey. <laughs> I'm back. Ooh, I'm back. Hey, catch you on me! Cash you! Who's the thing I need lithium? The only thing I need is a pain energy drink when I fuck fucking your mom! Yeah! I'm bump deep in that fucking page! Yeah! Yeah! You wanna find me, motherfucker? Find me! What the show with Scotchin? 262, motherfucker! You know how to be! Quit that dick around and move up those motherfuckers! And he goes back uh, to uh, Bob. Bob, you're gonna you you have to translate. Almost all that got caught up in the Discord noise gate. Oh um, yeah, almost none of that. I um. couldn't hear a single <laughs> bit of that. I could just tell that there was incoherent screaming in the background. Oh well, that's all I could make out actually. Too he was uh, something about coming after him, all threatening, posturing, stuff like that. Who so, like Wait, Cashew who, Honey? Who, who it was is? Cashew Honey. Is Cashew he, Honey being gang stalked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's on edge cashew. guys he's he's on edge i'm a little worried about cashew honey <laughs> we, we need to check check in check up on him yeah let's call a welfare check on him real quick you know what yeah, happened yes. is he's sure he'd love that our after our, our stock price has gone down since we've gone to buy weekly and he his 10 percent. he's losing his ass here <laughs> <laughs> oh no he might experience homelessness because of our transition 
<laughs> Don't worry. I got a laptop. So soon we might be able to go back to weekly. We'll see. Oh, man, I'm really liking the schedule. All right. What do we have up first? Like, okay. Foo, it's Bobby said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Did you guys hear the news? Which news is that? The most important news that the news has ever newsed. Uh, aliens are real and the government is officially not officially saying it. Already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Did this ex-special agent just out that aliens exist? In a U.S. Congress hearing into claims the government is covering up keeping UFOs, witnesses said that they'd seen intact alien vehicles. The Pentagon denies this. So the, I, the, the testimony included that there was a, a downed UFO crash landed, mostly intact, and they found what they refer to as biologics, but basically um, uh, a dead organism, basically a dead life form inside of inside a of non-human yeah, life non-human form. life form found deceased. And as, as we know, as we know from early space programs, uh, monkeys and dogs cannot pilot rockets. So obviously <laughs> this had to have been a humanoid extraterrestrial non-human life form. Can, can, I, can I ask a couple questions? Maybe. They have to be good ones though. So while this guy's giving this testimony in front of Congress, which should honestly should make everybody realize what a fucking joke Congress is. Um, so he's <laughs> Giving this testimony, he talks about a non-human biologics, a downed spacecraft, and this was witnessed or verified by people he knew that were still in the program. And now my question is, does he have any evidence of a a downed spacecraft, b a non-human biologic, or c uh the names of any of these experts or D the name of the fucking program that he's referencing. So, so Aaron, um, I'm not sure if you've heard, heard the rest of the clip, but he goes on to say that all of those details are classified, but that he'll be very forthcoming with sharing that information with, uh, you know, various Congress people. So, so just know that our elective representatives are aware of the answers to all of those questions and you don't have a need to know. Which we did establish last week. Definitely represent the people and have our best interests at heart. And well, not part of one, a kleptocracy. Once, once they come, start coming out with uh, various alien-oriented uh, bills and spe- spending bills, which probably also include um, carbon credit and climate regulations, obviously we'll know that they're representing our best interests. Whether or not we know it because it's classified. It, it's kind of crazy because, like, can you even imagine being in Congress? What a fucking sham. That charade that you're fucking putting on for everybody is now you have to get in, have an official meeting for the television about how you can't give evidence for any of the things you're talking about while talking about the most ridiculous shit in the world. 
It, it reminds me. That sounds like a dream come true, man. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! You know, it reminds me of that whitest kids you know sketch where he's like, "Uh, so the our moon base has been overrun by bears, and we think these bears are uh, affiliated with one of the wizard alliances throughout the like, galaxy." And you're like, <laughs> they might as well be saying that, right? Because there's no evidence that it's anything other than complete and complete horseshit and fantasy. Well, I, I think we've already established in previous episodes how they use these uh, UFO sightings, this UFO testimony and stuff like that. Like they created a new branch of the government or the of the military, uh, not just Space Force, like some other like Pentagon branch to investigate these things. The guy that said that, you know, there were there was a uh, invasion force like just outside of our vision, basically. And it's like, OK, c- come on, guys. So it's like I think it's a multi pronged psyop that they're doing here one to distract you from like the obvious corruption of our uh kleptocracy uh kleptocracy government but also (laughs) to like funnel more money into like these dumb programs too at the same time so i think it's working brilliantly i think in the psyop game you know no no one really matches these guys at this point because it's it's such a joke They, they give no evidence they give like flimsy testimony. Like you ask like a serious question, like like Aaron did, and they were just like, "Oh, that's well, that's classified." That's the craziest part is that no one even thinks about asking that, or like, and then when he says it's classified, no one just like raises their hand and says, "Hey, what's the point of any of these meetings that we have here? Since everything's classified and we never find out anything, and no one ever gets arrested for lying to us." <laughs> I also don't understand why it's it would be classified, considering it's not like intelligence or defense or nuclear stuff. Like, I, I at least I don't think it is. Well, Josh, why, you, why, you would why know. would it be classified? You would know why it's classified if you were one of the people that witnessed this stuff that totally happened that we have no evidence of in the secret, super duper secret program that he also can't name because it's so classified. Does that answer your question? No, didn't think so. Because that's no, what, no, what it, we do it, here in Congress. We never answer questions. We don't answer them ever. And you can say anything you want. No one ever gets in trouble. Even though the myth of you lying to Congress is like a felony. Nope, doesn't matter. No one ever gets arrested for it. You know what I mean? It's it's a fucking... It, it's one of the worst produced shows on television. That's literally all it is. It's a TV show at this point, right? Well, I'm sorry that we can't get David Duchovny to come back for another season. <laughs> it would be a it would be a big upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because like Joe Rogan is definitely a better interviewer than anyone in Congress at this point. So, yeah, it's just like politicians at at this point are like C tier, D tier actors, right? Probably lower. Yeah, they're it like our go worst lower. actors. <laughs> Yeah. They're they're on the same tier as the crisis actors, like that guy that was like, ha 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 ha. Anyways, my child was shot at this totally real shooting in Sandy Hook. <laughs> well, it's, no, no. Kind of speaking of that, I think I think why this clip got half of the reason why this clip got so much attention is because they they chose the uh, non ugly, non old Congress lady for the, the inter- for the interview questions. <laughs> I mean, non. Let's go non-old. Let's not push it. <laughs> Wood. <She's> still ugly. 
Too bad it wasn't Tulsi Gabbard. I definitely would then. Anyway. There's so many. Does dude, she there's... still hold any position? Sorry, it doesn't matter. Aaron, what, what do you have to say? Um, like, <laughs> I, 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 anytime that there's like an average looking congressperson, everyone acts like like AOC. Like she doesn't look better than <laughs> like half of the cocktail waitresses at any given bar. You know what I mean? But she looks like a fucking supermodel compared to those fucking ghouls. Well, when you, yeah, when you, when you put her between Nosferatu and Baba Yaga, like, (laughs) yeah, she looks pretty great. Yeah, she looks amazing. Uh, I I believe that translates to Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, they're both older than Nosferatu, but (laughs) close enough. Oh man, and oh, and the the last point I want to make about this, the my favorite part about the whole uh, government admitting in Congress that there's aliens fucking thing is, uh, collectively the entire country just decided they didn't believe in aliens all at once. Did you notice that? <laughs> Wait, what? No, I, I've I missed this. I swear I haven't talked to a single person in the last three weeks since this, since this clip came out. Every video that people responding about this were just making fun of how they don't believe in aliens anymore because the government said they're real. That's the average, uh, average consumer, average sheeple consumer. Uh, how about us? The, the, uh, skeptical minds at okay. Homo after this, do you guys believe in, uh, aliens also known as non-human biologics? Non-human, but bi- <laughs> I believe in non-human biologics, you know, everything, that's whatever, human, whatever non-descriptive thing that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Do you believe in aliens now? That's the question. No, the- of course not. What are you fucking? <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm with all the sheeple we're, we're on this one. We're nothing if not consistent this- on this show. Yeah, I'm with all the sheeple on this one, Josh. That the second the government's like, yeah, it's definitely real. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> I, I would love it. I would like to answer your question, uh, Josh, in the same type of language that they use in Congress. Uh, I have come to a non-concrete resolution on my <laughs> possible thoughts about this scenario, which are classified, by the way. So don't ask me anything else. <laughs> Could Fair just, enough. It's all classified, Josh. All right. Yeah. How dare you ask that of me? You know, my thoughts are classified on this matter. <laughs> <laughs> well. Aliens are still fake and gay. What, what, what do we have next on the agenda? Okay. So do you guys remember back like three years ago on the show when we talked about the replication crisis in science? Yes, definitely. 60%. 60% of, of studies that cannot or haven't been replicated. For, we've for been doing this for three oftentimes. years. Oh God! Uh, yes, yeah. Actually, the, the episode. So, uh, for for anyone listening to OK Homo Selects, that was the the last weekend one. Uh, was was that episode? Um, from from November of 2020. Um, <clears throat> but even then, it wasn't it wasn't a new story. It was from the early 2010s. Was kind of when when all that shit went down. When uh, as Bob alluded to, um, there was a big uh, big scandal in the scientific and scientific journal community that. The, um, you know, between majority and a lot of uh, scientific studies could not be replicated, including uh, in the hard. And so so what got most of the news coverage was um, psychology, sociology, uh, specifically priming studies. 
Um, so power poses. If, you're, if you remember power poses or like talking to yourself in the mirror or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it also applied to hard sciences. Um, this is back in the news. I, I uh, keep getting my YouTube feed. These videos titled Academia is Broken by like a half dozen different YouTube uh, channels. <laughs> um, and they're, they're all about different like Harvard fake data scandal, Stanford scandal crisis. Uh, academia is broken, do, 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 and, and on and on and on. So, so needless to say, I want to see what it's all about. Um, let, let's, let's go to the, the Pete Judo video, the other one. Let's, let's, uh, do, do, let's get a quick introduction to what, what, what Wait, one of these studies in question. Oh, oh, yes. Hold on, before we go to that, what, um, remind me, when we did the replication crisis, uh, wasn't it something like, 85 to 90 percent of studies like haven't even tried to be replicated and then the ones that had it was like 80 percent of them they couldn't fucking replicate or something wasn't it what was the numbers on that so do you remember I, I i forget i forget the exact numbers that had been had the replications were attempted on um for the hard sciences so your your chemistry medicine uh that sort of thing um it was so they broke it up between other researchers trying to replicate it and the researchers who originally did the study trying to replicate their own results. And it was between 30 and 60 percent for the hard sciences uh, and even worse for the soft sciences. So that's kind of what we're sitting at, where you can say about half of uh, peer reviewed hard science research is bad um, that we know about. I thought okay. the, I thought that overall between like all of the sciences, I thought I thought it was like sixty percent. That's what I remember. That, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, it was like over over half. And like Aaron said, though, those are things that have actually the people actually attempted to replicate. Um, so there, there's kind of the the unknown unknown of how bad yeah. it could be. What what I thought wasn't it something like I think it was something like okay, so what you're saying thirty to sixty percent. They failed to replicate when they tried, but I think like 85% of peer reviewed studies aren't even try that no one even tries to replicate it. They just accept it. So it's like that 60% is of the last 15%. You know what I mean? So like really yes. you're looking at something like seven and a half percent of studies are even are attempted to be replicated and like successfully. Yeah. We actually know our, we like, we have verified our good. Yeah, like, I mean, it's less than 10% of our studies. <laughs> it's it's something like that. But anyways, let's let's hear what the, now that everyone's catching up, uh, all, you know, we're getting Josh's feed filled with people that have no, noticing the uh, same thing we noticed of three well, years ago. Th no, th this, is, this is obviously a new scandal, uh, a, a new crisis in academia that's going on. But let's see what it's all about then fill out the rest of the form. So all of the studies in this paper by these authors were looking at this idea that if you put an honesty pledge at the top of a form, people will be more honest than if you put the honesty pledge at the bottom of a form. Now, the first study in this paper was led by Francesca Gino, our protagonist. Okay. Well, I'm not following. Was that the wrong timestamp? No, no, that, that was the right timestamp. Um, so I want to give a bit of an introduction to what one of these studies was, and also this lady, Francesca Gino. Um, so she is a top professor and researcher um, at Harvard for s some field of psychology. 
Uh, so extremely um, prestigious, extremely respected in her field. Uh, apparently some in the scientific community, some sort of celebrity. Uh, all, all of her papers get a lot of attention and um, people cite it like crazy. But but the one study they're looking at uh, to begin with is um, whether or not having an honesty pledge on the top or bottom of a test will make people more honest. <laughs> well, it's not about being more honest. If Okay, so if you have an honesty pledge, like... It, I think it, what it is is it memes people into being like, oh, this is very serious, so I have to be honest so that we can get the correct results. Whereas if you put it at the bottom, they're like, eh, I'm not changing that my answers. I already wrote it down. That was I mean, I'll sign it, but I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go back and fucking erase it. Like, You know what I mean? So I bet they do get more honest results because of an honesty pledge, but I don't think it's because of the positioning like you know what i mean it's not just the positioning it, it it's just the way people are they're not going to fucking change their answer that's too much work and i don't blame them they shouldn't change their answer they should have lied on it the whole time even especially if there's an honesty pledge at the beginning but people are dumb <laughs> um well n- needless to say the results were extremely significant uh, with regards to correlation between uh, honesty pledge on the top and people being more honest on the test well, yes, but I'm, but they're probably missing why that is like the reason that is, is because of what I just said, but what's, what's their reasoning for why they think that's the case. I'm trying to think of they even explain that. I think, uh, Oh my God, people are fucking see, like, th- this, this is, is the wh- problem. There's, there's not even a hypothesis to their experiment. There's, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're jumping, you're jumping to the point very successfully. Aaron. There's a, uh, the, the, <laughs> Let's 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 cut to the chase. Uh, so, one, firstly, I would categorize this as a priming experiment. Is you're psychologically being primed for a certain type of behavior, and they're gauging that behavior based on you know, whatever. Um, and uh, secondly, it's not a good study because what it's trying to prove is stupid. Uh, like Aaron said, or it's like it's kind of a, a nonsense experiment to begin with. Like if so, so what if it does goes neither direction? And thirdly. Let's play this clip. Data, it's a bit weird. We've got two 49s here. That's a duplicate. That should never happen. And then at the end of the condition one set of participants, you have participant 51 coming after 95, then 12, then 101. Like that sequence doesn't make any sense. And similarly, when you get to condition two, we start with seven, then 91, then 52, then all the way back down to five again. These. Okay. Oh, sorry. Th- those numbers are referring to each part- uh, study participant's unique I- uh, identification number. Like there, I was the the participant number twelve in the study. Uh, but why are there three twelves that appear? Uh, uh and, and okay. so on and so on. And then why are they out of order for literally no reason whatsoever? In this, yeah, yeah, exactly, when, exactly. When they appear to be up until forty seven, it goes in sequence up to like forty six, and then it go, jumps to two forty nines, and then to fifty five, fifty eight, sixty one, sixty. And it's, yeah, it's just like a random. Okay. Yeah, let's just, let's just jump real quick to the next clip. I think that'll uh, okay. help add to this. 
are the most extreme ones, meaning that these few data points are inflating the effect size. Now the article goes on to show how our vigilantes did some very clever work to unpack the Excel file that this data was stored in, and they were able to show quite clearly that these suspicious rows were manually resorted in the data set. I won't go into it on this video because it's quite technical, but I'll have a link to all of these articles in the description if you want. Oh, so it's being tampered with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, th th three points. Well, one, this is a priming study, uh, which everyone, literally everyone in the world has known is complete bullshit for at least 10 years now and should not be getting funding in an academic setting, especially one that's supposedly respect respectable like Harvard. Uh, two, the study to begin with isn't trying to prove anything meaningful, um, and it's a stupid study. And three... The data that they're using for the study is made up. But that's that's, that's what <laughs> well, <I'm getting> <laughs> okay. I, I get that. Like, okay, so they're making up the data. Yeah, we know that they do that. And it's a priming study. The problem with priming studies, like priming studies are would be fine if your hypothesis has to do with what you what an expected reaction is going to be when you prime them a certain way and you're being objective about it. Do you know what I mean? Can you can you elaborate? Yeah. Okay. So like the experiment, let's say with the experiment where um, you have 12 actors in a doctor's office and the girl comes like a girl or a guy comes in and sits down and then they beep, they play a beep and every all the actors stand up and then they call somebody into the back and then everyone sits back down and they call and then they just keep doing that and it beeps and they stand up and everyone sits back down when they call somebody in and what they're doing in that that they're priming somebody for a response but their hypothesis is to see if they're going to have the response they expect like um in that that's a real study and what ends up happening is when the when the beeper goes off the, the new people that are coming into the doctor's office now start standing up because the rest of the group's doing it. And eventually they get through all of the actors and it's all new people that have nothing to do with the study. And they've created an entirely new behavior that they had never seen before that day just because they watched a bunch of other people do it. So a beep goes off. Everyone stands up, waits for somebody to be called, and they'll continue that behavior for the rest of the day. So like that's a priming study, but it's to see if you're going to get an expected result off of like group behavior dynamics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aaron, that sounds kind of like a, a, a real study. Um, priming studies are typically things like I'm trying to think of the exact, uh, I was reading the article that, that had an example, but it was one of the, the big examples of something like, um, if you watch a video where it's cold in the video, you're more likely to buy soup when you go to the grocery store. It's not exactly that, but it's that type of premise. Like, I, I think, Aaron, you're, you're kind of skipping, you're missing the point of how pointless and retarded these studies are supposed to be. Um, like, you, you were actually trying to come up with a real study with that hypothetical there. <laughs> so, like, the point, so it's not the method as much as the pointlessness of it. I don't, I don't know what you, like... I mean, it's so uh, the the method in that the correlation you're trying to prove, um, or, or that you're not really testing for the thing you're trying to prove. So, uh, if gotcha. That, if that okay, sense. you're you're drawing a you're drawing a nonsense conclusion off of your leading questions. Or, or, yeah, or yeah. The experiment has nothing to do with the hypothesis in general. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they do that shit all the time. Um, Dude, I, I have the perfect priming study. If people will be truthful, you get a group of 18 year olds who have never filed their taxes before, have them fill out all their tax information. And then at the very end, tell them, oh, yeah, if you lied about anything on this form, uh, you can be sent to prison. Would you like another form? Like, isn't isn't that the, the better experiment? Well, well, that's 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 unethical. You should have put the the honesty pledge on top of the form because that works. Uh, I, I I mean that that's one way to do it. Like that's what I'm wondering. I'm okay. So Josh, in this stupid honesty pledge at the beginning or the end experiment priming study, what's the hypothesis that they? Are trying what's the conclusion that they've come to did they have a hypothesis even before they decided people are more honest if the honesty pledges at the beginning i mean i think yeah. that that is the hypothesis that uh if you put it at the top it will be more effective than putting it at the bottom well yeah like that but that's, the, they that's don't, the extent it, they don't even go into why uh, I, I didn't read the study itself. I just watched this video. So, so they're uh, like, it's more effective, no. but we're not si real scientists. So we don't care why it's more effective because that's actually what you would be studying is why are people more honest when they have the honesty pledge? Because that's the raw data. Like the raw data from that is honesty pledge at the top. People are more honest. Honesty pledge at the bottom. People are less honest. That's just data. That's not actually a you're not making a statement with that. That's just objectively true. And so they never even considered wondering why but the data why was tampered are with, though. Honest? But the data, but that's also the point they bring up. The data was also tampered with in a in a fucking experiment about honesty. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's <laughs> no. Well, also, I, I sorry, I didn't explain the experiment too. So when um, they're the the uh, people are told that after they like scan their test for answers or whatever. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of what it goes. There's um. Oh crap! I'm blanking on the details. So, so what do they do? The the participants are told that their papers are going to be shredded um, when they they submit them, but the machine doesn't actually shred them. So they have like effectively they still have the data whether or not uh, this person had cheated on the test. Um, I, I forget the full scenario of like what they're provided with or how that proved that. But but effectively the point is the participants were lied to in the premise of the study to begin with. Oh, yeah, but that's geez. fine. Lying to them on a study about honesty is part of the control. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine to test it. I just think it's a, a, a just building up what Bob was saying with the um, irony. Oh, well, okay. it's just it's still funny that they they tampered with the data to about honesty. That's more <laughs> that's more funny. But the, what's, what's stupid to me is it's not an experiment. Like they, it's not a study because they didn't even have anything they were studying. They literally collected some data. And then apparently have no hypothesis and why the data they collected is important. Wait, hold on. And by the way, like this is like an experiment in the same way that like YouTubers like 10 years ago were doing so quote unquote social experiments. Like that's basically what this is, is like a fucking shitty like YouTube channel being like, oh, let's figure out what people do in the heat of the situation kind of thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Here, here, here's an example of, uh, uh, like I, 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 yeah, brought up another article. Um, here's an example of some some different types of priming studies. <laughs> uh, for you, this one is a um, a facial feedback hypothesis that smiling makes you happy. The premise of that and how they tested it was 
Uh, college students were asked to rate the humor of cartoons from Gary Larson's The Far Side while holding a pencil in their mouth. Those who were, quote-unquote, smiling uh, without any awareness of doing so found the cartoon funnier than those who were frowning. G- great, great experiment right there, right? <laughs> well, first you'd need a fucking an objective way to measure happiness. That's fucking retarded. Like... Oh my god! You know what I mean? There's there is no control. Do you do you take the pencil out of the mouth and show them a different cartoon that could be a different joke, and that joke it could just be not funny to that person? Like, come on! Like you can't. Th- this isn't scientific. Like, <laughs> wh- what are we doing yeah, uh, here? Uh, okay, okay. Well, how much money was wasted on this experiment? Oh my! Uh. <laughs> Dude, again, these are like. These are experiments that got headlines and excitement around them and publication and money for these people to do more research. And like it and clearly people still getting money uh, a decade or decades later to do similar or the same type of research because of the success of these uh, uh, quote unquote success of these previous studies. Oh, God damn. It's just, it's just like. It's just like Congress. They just keep stacking more and more fucking shit on on the debt. They just keep wasting more and more money on these fucking dumb studies. Okay. Wanna I mean, who, who knew that something like academia, which is, which basically de- devolved into a Ponzi scheme at least 40 years ago. So like a half a century old Ponzi scheme would come up with uh, experiments like reading far side while frowning or smiling like <laughs> who who could have seen that coming you know what i mean but how did that not just turn out the best and the brightest oh god psychological science jesus christ what a fucking waste of time all right you want to wrap up this particular clip yeah let's just play the final clip it's just another example of a study that this uh, uh gina lady uh, at Harvard had um, done and gotten a lot of attention for that's uh, kind of the exact same vein. It's Harvard and you'll see why in a second. They're looking at a study from 2015 written by Francesca Gino as well as Kuchaki and Galinsky, again two fairly well-known researchers in the field. Now the hypothesis for this study in my opinion is pretty stupid. The hypothesis is that if you argue <laughs> against something that you really believe in that makes you feel dirty which then increases your desire for cleansing products, which is kind of silly in my opinion. But nevertheless, this is what they were researching. So this study was done at Harvard University with almost 500 students. And what they asked the participants to do was the following. So students of Harvard University were brought into the lab and then asked how they felt about this thing called the Q-Guide. I don't really know what the Q-Guide is, but apparently it's a hot topic at Harvard and it's very controversial. Some people are for it, some people are against it. So when they were brought into the lab, they were asked, how do you feel about the Q-Guide? And they either said they were for or against it. And then the participants were split into two groups. Half the participants were asked to write an essay supporting the view that they just gave. So if they said, I'm for the Q-Guide, they had to then write an essay explaining why they were for the Q-Guide. But then half the participants were asked to write an essay arguing opposite to the point that they just gave. So if they said, I'm for the Q-Guide, they would then have to write an essay explaining why they should be against the Q-Guide. Again, the idea being that those who are writing an essay against what they actually believe in would make them feel dirty. Because after they'd written this... 
Oh. Wait, but then they went and bought cleaning uh, products. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> well, we can we, we can listen. Essay. They were then shown five different cleansing products, and oh. the participants in the study had to rate what? how desirable they felt these cleansing products were on a scale of <laughs> one to seven. With one being completely undesirable and seven being completely desirable. And again, the authors found a strong effect. You can see here that the. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, I was going to ask, I'm like, how, what did they follow them around? Did they, A, have to follow these people around and, and like, find out their shopping list? And then follow them around post-experiment and get their shopping list for, like, the next three months in order to make this valid? And it's so much stupider than that. It's how like, do these cleaning supplies make controlled scientific feel? environment. Hey, Bob, uh, I'm going to yeah. run an experiment here. Um, how much do you love the Jews? What do you feel about the Jews? I love the Jews, Aaron. Let me tell you why. All right. Uh, well, step into this room. I need you to uh, write an essay now about why you hate the Jews. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And then I'm going to show you five cleaning products. There'll be Dove Soap, uh, Irish Springs, Soap made out of dead Holocaust victims, uh, Mr. Clean, and Head and Shoulders. Which one do you like the best? That's, that's it's good. Fucking that's insane. Good. Like, it's so retarded. It's, and it's paint by numbers. Like, there's no way they can be doing this as a real experiment. This is the kind of experiment a fucking sixth grader would come up with. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. This like is I done said, at Harvard, like a YouTuber. Think how would come much up that uh, SC Johnson would be willing to pay for the results of this experiment so they can sell more cleaning products. Right, 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 right. There's no way they'd risk it. They'd have to have people think about their the uh, view that they're opposed to. That's like their number one weapon against fucking humanity. Is hey, if you have a if you're part of a team. Don't ever think outside of that what we've already prescribed as your thoughts. I like how they like directly correlate it to like a commercial like buying habit too. They're like, you know, let's let's make you argue for something that you absolutely detest and then we'll see what type like and then, you know, we'll try to analyze like your shopping patterns after that in regards to like soap. It's like that and but I wish they had at least done that, like analyze their shopping pa patterns after. No, they couldn't even do it that that smart. A, you're a person. You're coming in. You're already told you're going to be part of an experiment. Then they make it that obvious. Like, how do you feel about war? I hate war. Okay, write an essay why war is good. Hey, does this soap appeal to you? If you can't make the connection of what they're trying to fucking say, you're retarded you're nothing more than a zoo animal to be looked at like so then because you're uh con the, the connection you're trying to make with them feeling dirty and then liking a cleaning product already is going to affect your answer so this experiment means fucking nothing because you already know what they're trying to fucking ask you you know uh, what I mean? Aaron, I think I think I think we were missing some I think this YouTuber is not doing his due diligence. There was probably a reference in that paper to another study where they uh one to one perfectly correlated that uh your your feelings of desirability towards a picture of soap is 100% related to your disposition to go out and buy soap that exact same day. So I, I think I think it's just we, we're missing that context that this actually is a good measure of what they're going for. No, you're not, Josh. You're not missing that context. You know what this is actually almost exactly like? This is like taking one of those quizzes that's like, 
what kind of Disney princess are you? And you're like, well, here's all the answers I need to fucking get Jasmine because that's the <laughs> answer I want. Like, so you already know what that. So it affects the answer to all of your questions. You're like, yes, I love living in sand. I would love a magic carpet ride. I'm a fan of flying. I like sapphires. And like, <laughs> because you know the answer you want to give. So you already know what they're trying to ask you before this fucking thing wraps up. If you're a Harvard graduate, if you're if you're in Harvard, you think that they might be able to figure out, uh, you know, th- what they're getting at. It's not that fucking big a connection to make. It, I hate these. Ex- I hate hearing about this. It's so fucking stupid. I want to see how many Harvard psychology grads work at BuzzFeed. That'd be really funny if there were. It's like it's a feeder system. It's just one, and he's making all of he's making all of the quizzes. Like, oh, please stop! <laughs> I can only do so much. Oh my god! That- uh, you know what the other the other possibility is? Is that Harvard and all these Ivy League schools are so overrun by these like weirdo rich families that are like half inbred to like consolidate their wealth and they just tell everybody they're the smartest but they've just been the dumbest people ever and they really think this is a smart experiment and then people just start writing articles about it because it's a prestigious school and it's actually that retarded it's a a bunch of inbred rich retards that actually think they're smart and other people that are too uh, brown nosing and money hungry to fucking ever say anything against them. They're like, oh, well, let me write an article about this. So you, you are a genius. Oh my God. How'd you get into Harvard? I mean, your dad was only a senator. I can't imagine how you got into a place like this. I guess you must be a genius. Tell me now why dogs' noses are brown. Like, it's insane. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been told our whole lives that Harvard is the best school in America. It's impossible to get in. Uh, and then we have the like specific rankings from uh, supposedly pr- reputable institutions that rank it the best school again over and over again. It, it's it's a a psych like the a perfect you know feedback uh, perfect way to um, just barrage us with the idea that Harvard is better than us and we should respect yeah, yeah. everything that comes out of them. They're like, Yale is impossible to get into, and you have to be a genius to get in there. Oh, who told you that? Yale told us. Oh, great. Wasn't George Bush in there? Isn't he, like, half retarded? (laughs) Wasn't he just, like, laying in a coffin, jerking off in front of his dad to get into a secret society running the world? Is that what geniuses do, or am I missing something? (laughs) Frat pledges are cool. <laughs> Anyways, I'm fucking, I hate this, this is, shit. It, it really my, just incenses so, me. Yeah, it made my blood boil. Days. Holy shit, these dumb fucking <laughs> tests. Like, this is what the best and brightest of America's like top universities are up to. Being like, oh, so buying habits after being forced to argue for something that you despise. Like, okay, like, what kind of breakthrough the is that? The pathetic part is, is that it's the regular people that are giving them this prestige, being like, yeah. I guess they're fucking geniuses. And you're like, no, stop. Stop believing them. Stop believing the things you read and, he- and hear. Open your eyes and close your ears and you'll be much better off. I-, I feel like these people need to be thrown into like the break room of like a blue collar, like you know, like in a room full of blue collar people in a break room so they can just like bust these people's balls for like an hour and a half and just completely destroy their ego because that's what they need. Because like they're they're just up there stiffing their own fucking uh, uh, farts 
up in the ivory tower that is Harvard and Yale and like all these other places that was just like, oh my God. And then they start like, if they talked about this stuff to like the average person, the average person would call them retarded. They would call them a faggot. That's yeah. what would happen. <laughs> it would, if I, if they walked into the train yard, which is actually a great place for what you're talking about. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it requires high competence. So it's like these highly competent, like blue collar dirt bags. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if you yeah, move one of these people in to learn that job and have to do it for like three months, I guarantee there'd be break. a dropout rate of 98%. Yeah, like it would break they them. wouldn't be able to do it. And then the ones that could do it would get called a, <laughs> called a <laughs> fucking retard. And then they cry and quit. <laughs> which would, which did happen when I was there. Some <laughs> one kid, one kid. The, Wait, were, you the, the, were you the one calling uh, a fucking retard? Yeah, yeah, we got through. Oh, hold on, we 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 got through this topic, right, Josh? Because then I go on to just tell you guys yeah, a little yeah, train yeah. story about calling somebody Please. a retard. So there's this gay kid uh, that works there is, is a conductor, and he told on one of the engineers for smoking on the train, and everyone now hates this kid because. <laughs> Obviously, you're allowed to smoke on the train. You're just not allowed to in the rules. And uh, and then on the trip back, uh, the engineer called this conductor trainee a retard. And he's like, can I be dropped off right here? And they're like, yeah, fuck it. And they just stopped the train and dropped him off. And he walked up to where all the bosses were and then told, and was like, they called me a retard. And so the manager had to bring him back down to the crew and was like, did you guys call him a retard? He's like... Yeah, I did. Look at him. He's a fucking retard. <laughs> and nothing happened to anybody because it's a fucking sweet job. <laughs> you can call people Wait, I, th- I thought, I thought this great. was a union job. Do you guys not have HR? <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, it doesn't exist. I like warp back in time 30 years. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> your, benef- your benefits at better pay for his therapy and his new- newly doubled dose of Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> Working in a place where people can are allowed to just say whatever they want is so satisfying. But yeah, but, but my first point though was it's like it's just a bunch of like black dudes and like blue collar like fucking white dudes like missing teeth and are all dirty. But it's like they're like it's it's weird because they're also very competent people. So it's it's a man great. It's a very refreshing place to live to like work at and. I would love a Harvard grads to have to go do that for like three days. It would make me so happy. Let's call it an experiment. Let's get this to happen. Uh, Dude, we need this experiment funded. Unfortunately, we're not the inbred son of a fucking senator, so it'll never happen. And BuzzFeed will never write about it. We just need to find the one, the one Harvard professor who has a sense of humor and is tenured and can't get fired. Like we'll, we'll get him to sponsor it. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. It'd be great because they probably fucking run themselves over and get killed. It'd be hilarious. That would be the best option. Them breaking down emotionally and crying and, and running off the train yard would be the second best option, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they try to quit and they just walk in front of a moving train and die. <laughs> would be so funny. What a satisfying. Like, yeah, this is actually aligned with my hypothesis perfectly. Exactly <laughs> what I thought would happen. <laughs> Oh my God, how did I predict it so well? <laughs> yeah, despite being a college dropout, how did I fucking predict that this is exactly how this would end up? Weird. All right. Honorary PhD over here. Okay, okay. 
moving to ready for the uh no go ahead josh oh i i was gonna talk about a uh more tragic news more academia's broken news uh oh i love this intro out of the the, say it isn't so good yeah yeah can i hit play yeah please Academia is broken. For years, the for-profit publishing system has absolutely taken the mick when it comes to exploiting academics. Academics help these billion-dollar companies gain revenue by donating their time, first of all, producing the papers, then reviewing the papers. That is the peer review process where you look at other people's papers and say, yes, so you're using your expertise. And then a number of academics see it as very prestigious to be an editor on a journal. And they do that for absolutely nothing. They do it for free and they do it for years. And this means that academics are fed up. And these companies... Okay. Beautiful. I like where this guy is going. I mean, he's not 100% right with everything he said there. That is 100% true. What do you what what was he not 100% right about? No, I well, said he's 100 oh, okay. oh, he, is. he is 100%. Oh, yeah. I I, di- I didn't realize editors weren't paid, which is seems strange to me for like any publication, any reputable publication. E- even even Marvel they're editors all, are paid like $30,000 a year. That's the one part that he's lying about. All of these scientists and editors, they're all getting paid. They're not doing it for free. They get money, just not from the companies. They get it from the, the federal fucking government in, the, in like the forms of grants. And and on one that they're not getting paid for, for being the editor, some paper and peer reviewing, they're doing a certain number of peer reviews. It's part of their prestige because right. they get paid and pre- they they have to accumulate a certain amount of prestige in order to keep their fucking revenue flowing in. So it's yeah, some of these they might not be being directly paid, but they're indirectly being paid a lot for it. I I feel like to be part of some academic associ- like society or whatever, you need to peer. Re- I, I'm sure there are requirements where you need to peer review a certain number of papers a year. To, I, I think to there do, are to yeah. be part of certain groups. I, a I would lot assume of times so. it's your. A lot of times it's your PhD students that are doing a lot of this shit and and doing all the slave work for you in hopes of taking over your job someday. Well, I, I, I can see it. I can see it being like one of those like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of thing where it's like if you give me a good peer review, I'll give you a good peer review. And then the both of us can like both get more grants coming in. Basically, it's like if we can verify each, with each other's work. Too. What? That's a big thing with citations. You're like, if you cite my paper, I'll cite your paper, and then they'll appear at the top of this list when you search, and it'll look like it's a repeatable paper. It's like, oh, this paper's been cited 50 times. Obviously, that means it's important and correct, so uh, I'm going to go read it and pay this, the scientist's money. Oh, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. That's the prestige part. And so if you're the one peer-reviewing all these papers, then you know your name keeps popping up, and you can keep getting people to reference your own papers. It, it's how they how it works yeah they're just like journalists with extra steps i think right oh man get it these people that are like the prestige hungriness of the academics and it's like such a circle jerk it's just like oh if you it's just them sitting around jerking each other off acting like they're the greatest people in the world it's so So annoying we we see we seem to have lost track of the intro Uh, uh, actually academics are in trouble these these uh, poor thankless researchers and professors um, are are in trouble. Let's play the next clip to get an idea of what's actually going on. It is about moving this journal from 
Um, pay to access to pay to publish. And that is a huge issue. Essentially, you're saying to scientists here, you can publish in our papers if you pay for open access. Now, we all love the idea of open access, but these for-profit publishing companies are now using that to just increase their revenue. And the thing is, this really, really hurts the equality of publishing in science. Some institutions cannot afford these massive amounts of money for publishing in open access journals. And by changing to that, we are really limiting what science is published. In a tweet, Michael Dawson says, there is an argument to be made that several of these things in the current publishing climate have the potential to exert unhealthy pressure on editorial decisions. And here he's saying he resigned. Okay, okay. I, I find it very hard to believe that these quote unquote institutions, like all of these colleges and universities don't have the money to put up to publish these, these articles or these journals, right? I find that extremely hard to believe. Like, I know, like, the University of California system has, like, several billion dollars of, like, billions of dollars that they don't even touch. Like, they, they just, like, have it, like, fucking, they're like the Federal Reserve over there. Just, like, hoarding. endowment investment fund. Yeah, they're just, like, hoarding money over there. Like, I, I highly fucking doubt that. That's insane. All right, go on, Josh. I guess to, to, to explain the, the premise of open access, because I, I was not familiar with how this works uh, before. Um, supposedly there's a new scheme for some, uh, for some publications where as, a, uh, as opposed to the reader buying articles or paying for a subscription to access it, the reader gets uh, access to these papers for free, but the, um, the, the scientists, the researchers, they have to pay a kind of membership fee or su subscription fee themselves to be able to submit papers um, to be peer-reviewed and then be published. Uh, I think it, part, part of the premise is um, online versus physical access to allow for the publication of more papers uh, since you need to pay like a, a one flat fee and you can submit as much as you want to be published um, and then kind of anyone can access it. That, that, that's kind of my understanding of how it works. Right. Okay. So this guy's 100% right in his intro and then, but he's really just leading you into a bullshit, uh, thing because open access or closed access to peer reviewed papers has nothing to do with why academia is corrupt and this shit doesn't work. It's already 100% of the grant money is coming from corporate or government fucking funding and is already looking for an answer before they give money for the study. So like it's already fucked. Could you believe his hypothetical that, uh, that this scenario in which it's not a hundred percent and it's let's say 50% and now those scientists or those, uh, uh, corporate sponsored theses all have, uh, you know, are the exclusive voices now. And then 50% of scientists are being silenced. Well, he's acting like it wasn't that way already. That's the thing. Like this has yeah, no yeah, yeah, bearing yeah. on that. That was already the f the case was already that uh 90% of all the science being done, if not more, that might be being generous, was corporately funded. And you're and he's acting like this is what's going to make you not hear the other 10%. It's like, no, no, the the absolute zero funding and and headway that real scientists can get and the the shutting down of anything that might be competition for the corporate fucking world 
is why you're not hearing real science. It has nothing to do with whether you have open access publications or not. That, well, the, the, I think there is credence to open access versus closed access because I don't know. I can't even count how many times in my life someone has tried to argue climate change with me, sent me a research paper that was behind a paywall and everything that they knew and understood from that research paper came from like the description and the abstract that's ahead of the paywall. And then they, they can't even, they never even looked at the study, but they just claim it as like true in fact, like there, there has to be an advantage to that. Like that's a useful advantage for the people that are, doing these things right to push like a narrative. I think it's, it's a good psyop control game that they do with like the close access sourcing of, of these publications. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, I could care less about like if scientists don't have the money to actually publish their shitty fucking papers anymore, like who the fuck cares? Bob, let me, let me, let me dig a little deeper. Uh, these people you've argued climate change with, um, do you think any of them, if they were to have access to the study itself, would read it in any considerable depth uh, or attention and then actually understand the data presented or that if they had the full paper presented that it would even present enough of the raw data to um, right. be able to make uh, your, your own your own conclusions. All from. right, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> well, no, that's that, a good it's point. kind of funny, yeah. Josh. That, <laughs> it is a funny point because those same people, the people that read a study and then, like, like you said, read the synopsis and then tell you the information, like, oh, they proved that, uh, they proved that COVID's totally real because of this study that I read the headline of. And uh, then when you say, well, I don't think that's true, they'll say, you're not a doctor, but they're enough of a doctor to fucking confirm the results of some study they read the first half of a headline for. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they think they're smart for being like, no, I can't confirm it, but scientists said it, so I believed them. They think that's the smart way to go about it. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Um. So I just want to wrap this up. Um, so the the highlight of the video, one of the things he's talking a lot about is uh, an article about the editor-in-chief for uh, some biogeography journal. Um, the, the, yeah, the Journal of Biogeography. And uh, who, who's complaining about this and complaining specifically about Wiley as um, a publisher. Uh, he gets into as well that in solidarity... Um, about 85% of the associate editors, so these these academics working for free to put together this journal, uh, are on effectively strike. They're participating in a work stoppage uh, beginning about a month ago um, be, because of their, uh, their grievances with the publisher. So now we have uh, approximately no one, quote-unquote, qualified to put out these articles or um, probably not to peer-review them either uh, in this case. Uh, we lost um, the editor-in-chief who supposedly was ethical enough to quit in the face of um, you know, uh, in, in, in integrity-based diversity. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of that's the situation that that's, um, this is all kind of in, in the wake of with this uh yeah i'm gonna close it out with the the final clip um the one at 457 just to to put a, a couple more things in context for um what what these greedy corporations and publishers are trying to take away from these academics 
2023, the editors of Neurology Imaging Journal resigned to start a new publication in protest that author fees. Brilliant. You can see here that the fees were set at $3,450 to publish in that journal, but the departed editors estimate the actual cost of publication was about $1,000 or less. So where's all that extra money going? Straight into the for-profit publishing company's uh, bank account. I love that the- Okay, don't care, buddy. All right, I, I would just like to point out here that uh, are things, is nature healing? Is the world healing all of a sudden? We have a scientific journal editor strike. We have a the actor strike, the writer strike. Like this is this is great. We don't, <laughs> we don't need any of these people. <laughs> Learn to whoa, mind coal, you retards. <laughs> Bob, Avatar three is delayed. <laughs> I will say, Bob, I do agree that we absolutely need all publications to be the open version. Yeah. Because then we get, remember the study we got to read where it was like, uh, dashed lines show individual realizations, shaded areas with plus or minus P9000 disorder realizations and 500 <laughs> initial quasi-momenta. Like, <laughs> I do remember that. That was great. <laughs> If if we had it all open and we could read these studies, I guarantee you, like ninety five percent of them would be that stupid, and then people would real would be like, "You just aren't smart enough to know that nine thousand plus or minus lowercase p times alpha quasi momenta nine thousand disorder realizations is." It's like no one does. Shut <laughs> up. No one knows what that is. It's fake. It's made up. <laughs> It's the scientific dork version of telling people to go into the store and get a left-handed wrench. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like blinker fluid. <laughs> it's all it is. It's fake. It's the if, just to put it out there to see if anybody buys it because it's funny if they do. Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. All right. Do you have a gun to your head question, Josh? Do you have a, a conclusion to your to your uh, presentation here? Uh, my, my conclusion is kind of what, what we've been building on where um, the, the, the first point with the, the priming studies was uh, we've been over this before. No, it's no new news. It's been going on for uh, in, in pop media for a decade and for, you know, uh, probably a century before that. And like Aaron pointed out with the uh, corporate interests in, academia and and getting stuff published and getting actual actually highlighted um that's not a new thing either that's been going on for everything for forever uh so that that's kind of that that's actually the real uh summary is uh, no nothing's new no, no new news here actually there, there's not really a new story it's just reminding everyone of what's going on uh, in case you don't listen back to old episodes of okay homo and we had bad audio <laughs> I don't oh, it's like the thing with priming studies is I don't even mind them. It's because it's a meth. It's just a method of study. As long as you have a hypothesis of what you think is going to happen beforehand and your way of ascertaining that is something that's like. Uh, resolute, like you actually have a resolution to you can't just say people are more likely to buy cleaning products because they rated a bar of soap a seven after writing an essay they didn't like to write. <laughs> uh, Aaron, um, let me let me let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, this, this may be a little bit personal, but um, do, do you have a job where you're expected to produce concrete results and you have any level of accountability on a daily basis? 
Yeah, of course. We all do because we live in the real world. We're not well, doing these goofy. We do, <laughs> as in the, the three of us talking and, and, and supposedly probably all of our fans listening right now. Yeah, but the people writing these fucking articles or journals, no. no, no Don't. No. No, and they think that it's actually a bad thing to do, have that. They think that's for dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> to, to give them credit, yeah, this this is their entire profession is dealing with like hypotheticals, and the fact that they know and understand what a hypothetical is means that they're smarter than the average bear. Let's give them that. <laughs> well, are are you sure about that? Because when they came up with a hypothesis, they had to make up data to prove that that was the case. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. Like their whole understanding of hypotheticals might be might be a little bit more limited than we uh, previously thought. That's a good point. Yeah, kind of. Because they don't. Uh, they they actually don't know. <laughs> no, that's the thing. They don't have a control. That's like the real problem with that. With that stupid experiment, they have no like dependent variable. The dependent like you can't say that they want to buy cleaning products more. And then have your way of determining that be something that's fucking unknown. Like, we don't... Okay, so, it, Josh, this is where... It, it, this is the problem. The biggest problem with that whole thing. I don't mind people doing a dumb experiment. But if I show you a bar of soap and I say, on 1 to 10, how much do you like this? That has no correlation with how likely you are to buy soap. But this experiment, in quotes relies on that being a direct correlation they they don't even have that part of it is like how you rate a picture of soap has to mean that's how likely you are to buy it and that is not the case and how anybody doesn't see that is insane sorry i wasn't really joking when i said uh they should have a reference where they prove that correlation because that's like that's what you would do. It. That's what you do in science in general. Is you have to prove your metric actually is meaningful towards your conclusion, or that it like that it proves it. Because you're you're not te- you're not typically able to test for exact quantities or exactly the, what you want to measure or prove in science. You need to prove something that's correlated with your conclusion or like with another outcome, and then also have the uh, s- supporting research to show that that is the case. That this is realistic. Like that, like it, yeah. you're, you're getting the point perfectly, Aaron. That that's the whole problem with it. It's not that it hasn't the method of of leading questions and and like I even like the thing of hey make somebody argue of uh, like I I like the first premise is hey so, find out like okay are you are do you like Democrats or Republicans more? Uh, I like Democrats more. Okay. Now, write an essay on why Republicans are better than Democrats or vice versa. If you're a Republican, write an essay on why Democrats are better than Republicans or what they do better than Republicans and have them grumble through it and then having a hypothesis of something that's going to change their behavior because they had to do this thing and think about the other side and something they already hate. Now, but then they have their metric isn't even anything that's measurable. Now, uh, how, great. Do, how do you feel about these handguns? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, scale from one to ten. If you answer a nine or ten, we arrest you. <laughs> no, Aaron, you're right. It's it's not even about the metric. It's about the behavior. Or it's about the what they think is coming out of the arguing uh, against like a devil's advocate, where. Um, they think that you're going to feel dirty then, like physically dirty, and then I'm you're going to want to clean that. yourself. Like yep, no, like 
I'm 100% fine with them thinking, like, finding out if you think you're dirty after that. Like, I am with them on this experiment all they the way. They don't do anything to prove that mechanism. They say that that's going to happen when you argue devil's advocate. And then because of that, then they try to prove the soap thing. They you're just right. assume yeah. that that's the outcome. Yep. And I, that's where I, I agree. I am I'm 100% with them on that whole experiment. And then... But they have no way of telling if you're actually more likely to buy cleaning products because they didn't actually test for that. <laughs> well, they don't know this dirtiness either. It could be any other thing in your life or any other thing going on with the study. Like they just assume that you feel dirty. That's why you'd have to do it on a you'd have to be able to figure out how you'd have to like get access to like their Wegmans account, like their shoppers club account and find out how much soap and cleaning products they bought for like over like a six month period. And then you have to do this experiment and then you'd have to look for another like six month period afterwards to see if there was a spike at the beginning after they felt dirty. Or even like uh, other common like stress factors. It's like, did the person start binge eating after having to write the essay? Did the person, you, you know, get like aggressive? Well, like, w was he driving aggressively af after having to write the essay? Yeah. It's like all these. Did they get in an abnormal <laughs> amount of fights? Like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> was, you, was Oh, oh, they had those people uh, write essays in a warm room and they were physically sweaty afterwards. They actually were dirty and needed cleaning products. Yeah. yeah. What was the what was the room temperature in this room? Was it 58 <laughs> degrees or 72 degrees? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean room temperature or room temperature? Okay. <laughs> it, that's the part that's so infuriating is like they can't even just do the experiment with any kind of integrity because they Again, like everything, they know the conclusion they want before they start it, and they'll just do anything to make sure that's the outcome. It's very annoying. All right. All right. Enough about. Well, actually, that's probably probably it, right? Because we're at like an hour and seven minutes or something. Yeah, I, I was going to lead in with uh, enough of en enough with those bad experiments and bad science. We have our next segment. <laughs> You need to know what science discovered, you need to know today. Whether it's face or bones uncovered, it's definitely fake and gay. Scientists have discovered that humans are becoming less attractive with every new generation, thanks to A, modern diets, and B, evolving sleep patterns. So, okay, let's take something as subjective as uh, beauty standards or attractiveness and let's start measuring it. All right. This, this is going to be good. Um, I, it's not that it's subjective. Wait. What? I, I already disagree with that statement. I don't think that beauty is subjective. I think it's actually way more objective than we think, but I think on. Bob has an asymmetrical face and he's just coping. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the, this this person uh, who founded Sydney's uh, facial aesthetic consultancy firm sought to answer these questions in a recently posted uh, YouTube short. In the clip, the caption was also posted: uh, "The average person's face is becoming increasingly disadvantaged by modern diet, sleeping patterns, pollutants, uh, orofacial habits, creating a greater inequality in the attractiveness versus the unattractives." Uh, attractive oral facial habit that I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, it goes on. Uh, 
He asked if anyone was wondering why teenagers or high schoolers in the 1950s look so much older than they do now. You know, like, which is nice. Like, okay, I get that. I, I can see that. They have like a- Do they? Well, I have a picture here of this guy from the 1950s uh, in his high school yearbook. And it, it, he looks like a fucking like football player, basically. Yeah, but there was a bunch of people that looked like that in your high school. Don't you remember the kid that was like had a mustache when he was 13? I mean, give yeah. us a shitty mustache, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't 100% I don't really even agree with their already like the statement they're trying to make right off the bat. So they, they get into like overbite and underbite things. A lot of people are developing underbites nowadays because they are starting to sleep with like they're, they're breathing through their mouths while they sleep and all these other things. And they'll even during the day when they're awake and stuff like that, apparently that, that weakens the jaw muscles. There's a bunch of things that we do out of habit that are weakening our jaw muscles. So our jaws becoming less defined and it's recessing the jaw. Oh, it's, it's not the soy. Not technically. Wait, can I, can I stop you for a second there? There is no fucking way that they have any reliable data on the percentage of people <laughs> in the fifties that slept with their mouth, that breathe through their mouth while they're sleeping. Yeah. Versus now, that's hey, Aaron, fucking retarded. Aaron, this is this is the scientists discover segment of the show, not the academia is broken segment of the show. <laughs> this this is already proven. Bob's just like communicating oh. to us what actually happened. <laughs> right? Like, am I fucking wrong for saying that there's not a chance that that's real, that there's nothing real about well, that? Well, they're, they're, they're probably correlating bullshit. it with uh, rates of diagnosed sleep apnea and saying that that's a uh, one-to-one relationship to sleep apnea. Uh, um, yeah, you're I, right. I, you're, you're right. <laughs> that's what they're doing. They're doing something like that. And it's just probably just because people are fatter. Like, Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going with this horrible experiment that already is wrong. It, they made so many definitive statements that are subjective. And then the one thing that then they make another definitive, they state a fact that's an objective fact that there's no way they have any well, data. Th- this is their theory. The development of the face is dependent on the forces you put upon it. For the upper and lower jaw, there are two features uh, to help someone look uh, handsome or attractive. Uh, the, the tongue or other forces may impact on the development of the jaw, pushing it downward or outward before a uh, new bone grows in. So that's, that's kind of the, the theory behind why like breathing through your mouth or breathing through your nose and keeping your mouth shut the whole time would affect like the, the shape of your jaw and also the shape of your face and stuff like that. Hey, Bob, can you scroll down to the footnotes and uh, can you link me the study of uh, how how your jaw shape is determined by where you breathe the most? Because <laughs> I'm sure that exists before they'd make an asinine statement like breathing through your nose makes your jaw bigger. Yeah, right. I'm, it's definitely something that they have linked to. It's definitely uh, something I've heard about before. Um not not just from this website. I, I have heard about it before, like this this news came you know, about. So you know you've heard it from though? It's like an old wives tale. It's like, oh, if you if you make that face, it's gonna stay that way. No, it's even worse than that. I, I heard it from schizophrenics on Twitter, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, if you masturbate too much, you go blind. I, I found I looked it up, found some studies. There's stuff in the, the Journal of International Oral Health and um stuff like that. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Influence of mouth breathing on the dentofacial growth of children, a cephalometric study. Um, effects of mouth breathing on facial skeletal development in children, a systemic review uh, and meta-analysis by BMC Oral Health, blah, 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 blah. So um, supposedly there are studies. Yeah, so a, a big part of this article is people not believing the theory behind all of this, which is like basically Aaron's <laughs> stance. And like uh, all, all these other people are like, hey, here's another possible solution, a possible theory. Beauty bias, the pictures of ugly people are less likely to, less likely to be seen or publicized compared to the more attractive uh, counterparts. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point for like the, the samples we're taking from the 50s or whenever. Yeah. But yeah, that's obvious. Like, look at like, like go to TikTok. There can be a hot girl dancing around mediocrely and then just an ugly person making the most unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievably like interesting point in the world and one's going to have 7 million views and the other one's going to have 36 views because people don't like looking at ugly people it's just that's what happens yeah this is why vtubers are great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't even waste my time with flesh tubers anymore yeah this one person says (laughs) uh they, they look older because they have styles that were associated with their grandparents so automatically they look more mature so there's a bunch of different theories i think it's something of going around go ahead uh, my my experience in high school, I think it's a theory of people you know versus people you don't know. Um, as in, like, people at my high school, I felt looked younger than people at other high schools. And a big factor, I think, was just I didn't know them, uh, people at other high school. So, like, the, the unfamiliar faces, part of my identifying that identified it as older. Um, and that's going to be the same case for people in the past. Oh, Okay. Again, there, there, there are probably other factors there, but that's one, one little thing. Just another fucking ridiculous fucking study. I don't know. Well, because they, they also go in. Uh, they have a correlation between people with sinus issues and uh, having an underbite uh, as, as well, which is pretty common. Like if you're a mouth breather, it's common because of your sinuses. Pretty common to have an underbite and stuff like that. It's like the typical like nerd look, I guess. Um, it's because if you're if you're like genetically fucking weak enough, if you're weak enough on a genetic level to complain about your sinuses, you probably also genetically just have a weak jaw. You, you come from like a line of fucking pussies. You know what I mean? No. And you just complain. <laughs> <laughs> you have sinus like, problems. Just- oh, my God. You're so fucking weak. Not even that, but the people that are going to a person doing a study and being like, oh, my God, my sinus problems are going to be like weak jawed fucking people. You know what I mean? People are changing their behavior because of it. Yeah, that too. It's just. That's just what it seems like to me. It doesn't seem like uh, like the it's not the people going to the study complaining about their science sinuses are more typically going to be like weak-jawed fucking losers, whereas, right, does that make sense? Um, I, I see I see your point. Um, I think it's a combination of all of the above factors. Oh, <laughs> Breathing does not 
how you breathe does not change. Hey, the shape hey, of your jaw. Uh, I just That's appreciate that my mom stupid. told me to breathe with my mouth closed all the time because with my mouth open looks dumb. Of course, it does look dumb, but that it also has these other beneficial effects in my life. So, um, me and my strong jaw are going to say that this is true. Beautiful. Love it. Science confirmed. <laughs> I'm glad we the, 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 sleep, the sleep part's a hoax, uh, <laughs> but you know, the sleep habit part of this. this <laughs> but but, the, the, but the, the breathing thing, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad we learned a lot this week. <sighs> Wait for it. I hate you. <laughs> that was to science, but yeah. All right. See you guys. All right, guys. Well, see you in a couple weeks. We'll have on okay homo selects next weekend, but. Thanks totally. for listening. Have a good one. Have a good night. Don't tell me you don't like my show. Whatever. Fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat. You've got mail. What the fuck?